Hi, and welcome to another Bible study with Bumi. And in tonight's Bible study, we're looking at a story in the Bible, in the New Testament, where Jesus had an encounter with someone. And there's so much to learn from that encounter that I thought we would have a lovely time together in this Bible study, just having a look at what happened, what was the backstory, and how did Jesus respond? What was the outcome at the end of the day? So the Bible reading is from our Bible study is happening in the book of John. It's John chapter five, and I'm reading from verse one to nine. John chapter five, verse one to nine. And I'm reading, first of all, in the Passion Translation. The title of the chapter, or at least that section in the chapter, is called The Healing at Bethesda. From Galilee, Jesus returned to Jerusalem to observe one of the Jewish feasts. Inside the city, near the Sheep Gate, there is a pool called in Aramaic the House of Loving Kindness, surrounded by five covered porches. Hundreds of sick people were lying under the covered porches, the paralyzed, the blind, and the crippled, all of them waiting for their healing. For an angel of God periodically descended into the pool to stir the waters, and the first one who stepped into the pool after the waters swirled would instantly be healed. Among the many sick people lying there was a man who had been disabled for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that the man had been crippled for a long time. Jesus said to him, do you truly long to be well? The sick man answered, sir, there's no way I can get healed, for I have no one to lower me into the water when the angel comes. As soon as I try to crawl to the edge of the pool, someone else jumps in ahead of me. Jesus said to him, stand up, pick up your sleeping mat and you will walk. Immediately he stood up. He was healed, so he rolled up his mat and walked again. Now Jesus worked this miracle on the Sabbath. I'm going to read it in another translation because there's a, a key word I like, or at least there are a few words that I like in there. So I'm going to read it in the HCSB. So like it's called the Holman, Holman Christian Standard Bible. Is HCSB, and that's the that's the one I'm reading now. And it says, after this, a Jewish festival took place, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. By the sheep gate in Jerusalem, there is a pool called Bethesda in Hebrew, which has five colonnades. Within these lay a large number of the sick, blind, lame, and paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water, because an angel would go down into the pool from time to time and stir up the water. Then the first one who got in after the water was stirred up, recovered from whatever ailment he had. One man was there who had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to get well? Sir, the sick man answered, I don't have a man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, someone goes down ahead of me. Get up, Jesus told him, pick up your mat and walk. Instantly, the man got well, picked up his mat and started to walk. Now that day was the Sabbath. And I was asking the Holy Spirit what we were going to do in Bible study. And he brought this he brought this scripture, at least when I was going through sort of some of my notes, some of my thoughts, this scripture came up and it had, it came up with the 
mindset that there is an answer in here that can help us to know what we need to do. But first of all, you have to understand the backstory that this man, first of all, had been disabled, one version says. He had been disabled for 38 years. And now, when I think of 38 years, that for some people is a lifetime so far. Some people are not even up to 38 years at this point in time. But think about what they have all achieved so far in those 38 years. Imagine what he could have achieved in 38 years if he wasn't disabled, if he wasn't held back by this handicap. And that, you know, that gave me food for thought of what handicaps are holding people back. And sometimes even us are holding us back that we're not fully experiencing everything that we're supposed to experience in our lives. What is it that we're facing or we're dealing with or that has been dragging on in our lives that we haven't been able to get past that has stood as a blocker to the next phase the next season the next thing whatever it is or the fullness of life as it is the bible tells us that not only was this man sick not only had he been sick for 38 years he was hanging out with other sick people that's the first thing that struck me in that scripture, that he was hanging out with other sick people. It says within, within, within these lay a large number of the sick. That's verse three, blind, lame and paralyzed, waiting. He was hanging out with a group. And, you know, there's a phrase that I you hear often, or at least I've heard often, which is that misery loves company. I also think that birds of a feather, I know that sometimes it feels like we're using quotes tonight, but just walk with me here as we go into where the scripture is taking us. Birds of a feather hang out together. You know, they tell you things like, show me your friends and I will tell you who you are, meaning that there is an affinity within human beings. There is an affinity within people. And that affinity, can be positive or it can be negative. You know, one of the things my coach says often is that you should go to a place where the thing that you desire is your normal. And so these people came together because their desire was to be healed. And they had all heard that when you get to this particular pool in Bethesda, you would literally, if the angel showed up, if you got in, you would be fine. So everybody is all hanging out together with a desire for the same thing. But then it's a fight for the fittest. So the one who can move the quickest, the one who can move the farthest is the one that gets an outcome. And guess what happens? The rest of them stay and everybody is miserable. But guess, you know, there's something about waiting for something or experiencing something and not getting the outcome that you want eventually it does something to your psyche the psychologists call it learned helplessness where over and over you are experiencing negativity and the more you are experiencing that negativity the more helpless you become about the situation can i be honest as someone who teaches single women who want to get married, especially in the world that we live in at this time in, in the plan of eternity, at this time, a lot of single people, not just women, single men and women are dealing with learned helplessness when it comes to this particular area of their lives. When it comes to their desire to get married, the more they are experiencing negativity, the more they are experiencing rejection, the more they are experiencing disappointment and dejection, the more they are experiencing heartbreak, the more they are expecting it to happen so that they don't even make the effort to do something about it. 
I have had conversations multiple times where people have said to me, what's the point of praying anymore? What's the point of coming for all these single events if every time we come, nothing really changes? So there's an expectation that nothing is going to change. But guess what? They hang around people that literally enable that, that encourage that. So this man was hanging, he said, the place where he was, there were plenty of them, all of them all sick, all of them having issues, all of them needing, needing a solution. And then it was not like, like I said, a fight of the fittest, almost like, let's see if time and chance will favor me this time. And maybe I'll move quickly enough and I'll get into the pool. It's in that scenario that Jesus shows up. You know, I saw, I've read this scripture before, but then I then watched it in The Chosen and something struck me, but let's listen to the conversation between Jesus and this man that has been paralyzed. It says in verse five of John chapter five, I'm reading the HCSB. One man was there who had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to get well? So Jesus asked him a question. Like, I've seen you. I've seen that you have a problem. I've seen that there is a problem here. Would you like an answer? Would you like a solution? What do you think the automatic response should have been? When someone says to you, do you want to get well? You are sick. And then someone says to you, do you want to get well? What should be the automatic response? Because this is not the first time Jesus has asked people, do you want to get well? What do you want me to do for you? And they're very clear about what they want him to do for them. There's a time where he says to the, one, the blind man, what do you want me? He says that I might see. He asks this man who has been paralyzed for 38 years, what do you want to get well? Guess what the man says to him? Sir, the sick man answered. I don't have a man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, someone goes down ahead of me. Is that what Jesus asked him? What is Jesus asking? Jesus said, do you want to get well? The guy says, he's not saying, yes, I do. So that that way the solution can be provided. He says, he starts giving all these excuses. He starts telling the story of why he's still in that state. That wasn't the question that was asked. And you know, I love Jesus's compassion, first of all, that he saw him. And this is the reality for us as believers, that Jesus has compassion for us all the time. Whether or not we accept that compassion and the solution that comes with that compassion is a different matter. But when Jesus looks at us, he looks at us with the eyes of love and compassion. So he looks at this sick man with the eyes of love and compassion and says to him, do you want to get well? The man begins to go on and on about I, I've been I've been sick every time I'm sick this is what happens and this is what they say even the scientists say when people have experienced learned helplessness they start telling you about the issues that got them to that point they start focusing on what is wrong rather than the solution that is potentially in front of them and the problem with learned helplessness is that more often than not there is a solution but because you are so used to dejection because you are so used to not getting answers because you are so used to not getting results you don't expect results you don't expect a solution even if the solution is staring you in the face that's what was happening in this scenario the man was like uh and it was like as though his brain didn't compute the question. Like his brain didn't process the question. 
that all he heard was because imagine what would have been happening where he was sitting in the same place for 38 years. He was used to telling the same story over and over. Oh, my father left. And because my father left, I had no father figure. We have all these stories. And this is not to disdain the story that you have, but to say, has your story now become a handicap? Has what you've been through now become a handicap? Because the Bible is telling us that it is possible for what you have been through to become the filter through which you look at everything that you don't see help when help is available. People knew who Jesus was. Jesus was not hidden. At this point in time, people now knew who Jesus was. But it was clear that the man clearly didn't know. So we'll give him that. that he probably didn't know who, who was here, who had shown up. So he was like, uh, yes, the, when I don't have a man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, someone goes down ahead of me. And Jesus went and said, get up. Jesus didn't, answer, Jesus didn't even say, okay, I am so sorry. And you know, this gives us an insight into how God's mind, God's mind works. Jesus didn't focus on, oh, really? Is that what you're going through? I'm so sorry. Where he was commiserating with him. And you know, Jesus was like, no, that's not the crux of the matter here. The crux of the matter here is that you are sick and you need healing and wholeness. When Jesus shows up in any situation, he's showing up to provide healing and wholeness. When he showed up and in that conversation, it was there were two, there was a double agenda, but that's not our focus for the Bible study because he did it on the Sabbath. And he knew that that would have messed with the Pharisees, and he did. But that's not our essence of Bible study here. Let's focus on how we can have a solution before us. And how the mind of God works towards us so that that way, whatever it is that we're dealing with, whatever it is that we've been through, we can literally come out of it, no matter how long it has been. And, you know, I have a feeling, I have a very strong sense in my spirit that the reason the Holy Spirit is making us do this particular Bible study at this point in time is because he wants to change stories. He wants to break patterns. He wants to break certain beliefs. He wants to break certain ways of looking at things. You know, when Jesus showed up, he didn't focus on what that man said. He focused on why he came. And you need to focus on why Jesus came. Jesus came to provide salvation, to provide eternal life. But he also said in John 10 verse 10, that I have not just come that the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. The word life there is Zoe, a complete, full, and satisfying life. A life that is devoid of nothing. A life that is devoid of nothing, but has everything that God wants to give to us. And you know, when you have been waiting for something to happen, when you have been experiencing negativity and over and over, it's easy to focus on the negativity rather than on the things that can potentially happen for you in the positive. That's the challenge. When you have been somewhere, the man thought he hadn't been made well because he hadn't been helped by an angel. But what had happened was he had not encountered Jesus. Because irrespective, angel or no angel, if Jesus shows up, healing is available. How do we know this? The story of the woman who had the issue of blood for 12 years, she knew inside of her 
Like Jesus didn't even turn to her and say, do you want to get well? She just knew that if I touch him, I'll be fine. This man did not have that concept. And that's the problem with learned helplessness, where you are literally experiencing the same thing over and over. It kind of rewires your brain to only expect the negative. It rewires your brain so much so that when a positive thing is possible, you don't even stretch out to reach for it. The man was standing in front of the Messiah, the savior of the world, the one who was able to change stories. And all he could say was, nobody is helping me. I have been stuck in this state forever. Is that the question Jesus asked him? And to you that's listening to this Bible study, how often has Jesus preferred a solution and you have focused on, well, the odds are stacked against me. The odds are stacked against me. There's so many people that have applied for this job. And every time I apply for these kind of roles, they always reject me. So you are kind of expecting not to have an answer. Jesus then said, get up. And Jesus said, <laughs> Jesus didn't even say, I hear you. I hear what you've been dealing with. I hear what you've been experiencing. Jesus just went straight to the point. Like I came for you to be made well. Now, you clearly still don't get it. So let me make it easy for you. Get up, pick up your mat and walk. And there are three things, those three words, those three phrases are very important. Phrase one, get up. Get up is stop lying down. And I feel like this Bible study is more a charge than even a study in itself. Stop lying down. Stop accepting what has been your reality to this point. Stop saying, well, it is because of X, Y, and Z that I have things haven't changed for me. You are a believer. You have the totality of divinity inside of you through the Holy Spirit. Please stop looking at your circumstances as the determining factor for your life. The spirit of God inside of you, the power of God that is at work in you is able to change your life completely. But if you keep focusing on, oh, it's because I'm not pretty enough that a man hasn't stopped to ask me for my hand in marriage. It is because I am too big. I'm too small. I'm not wise. I'm, and then you give yourself all these excuses and all these reasons. Don't do that. So Jesus gave a charge and I'm giving you that charge today in this Bible study. Get up. You've been sleeping for a while. You've been taking whatever life has been throwing at you. But Jesus is saying to you, looking at what he said to this man, he's saying to you and saying to me, get up. Enough is enough. Stop letting what you've been through be the thing that you use to determine your life. And you know, a few of my friends will probably have noticed that there are a few things that have been changing in my language because I've been going through a very tough season for the last three and a half years. But if you saw me on the outside, you wouldn't know. And, you know, I was talking to a client yesterday and I remember her saying, thank God we don't look like what we've been through or what we're even going through. Nobody would know what I've been going through. And I'm thankful for that. But I also know that in the conversations in quietness, in the conversations away from the limelight, I have some, I've almost let what I have been going through become a thing that I'm not saying like that man, oh, this is what I've been dealing with. That's why I couldn't do X and I couldn't do Y. 
So even up to yesterday, the Holy Spirit said something to me. My daughter asked me for something. And I once wanted to say to her, kid, I can't do that right now. The Holy Spirit said inside of me, don't say that. Instead, declare what your reality is. You know, open your eyes and see that this is what you have. But more importantly, recognize what it is that you are. Recognize the state you are in. You know, if you go to therapy, one of the first things that they do is help you to recognize where you are. Before we try and find a solution, can you even acknowledge what you are dealing with? Can you acknowledge the internal, internal self-talk that you are saying to yourself? Can you acknowledge the things that you are saying to yourself about what you are going through? And, you know, to get up in this instance and relating to us now is to see with, like, open your eyes, open your mind beyond what you are going through. Jesus was saying, get up, get up, like, wake up. Don't be asleep. Don't be asleep in your own life. Wake up. And I'm charging you today in this Bible study. Wake up. Wake up. Open your eyes. You know, one of the prayers that Paul prayed for the church in Ephesians was, let the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. Let you see yourself and see the state that you are in. And see the in, in whatever form of learned helplessness that you have, you know, whatever you have done to acknowledge something and to embody it and it has now become your identity. See it for what it is. See it. Be conscious of what it is doing to you. What is it that you've been believing God for over and over and it has not yet happened? And you now almost, almost, there's a slight part of you that potentially believes, but there's more often than not. If anybody says to you, you'll be like, hey, it's because is because they've been rejecting me that's why but you are the child of the king of kings the lord of lords the creator of the ends of the earth the monarch of the universe no nation is short to you maybe you're like oh well i've been applying for a visa they've been rejecting me every single time well your father the bible says the earth is the lord's and the fullness thereof and they that dwell therein psalm 24 everything is available to you is one of the declarations i make no nation is shut to me. Doesn't matter if I've been rejected multiple times. No nation is shut to me. No nation stands against me. All nations, their doors are open unto me. Unless the father tells me not to go. But if he does not say I should not go, all the nations are open unto me. Maybe that was for somebody here tonight. But then the next thing he says is pick up your mat. And what was the mat? The mat was an enabler. The mat was an enabler. It was the thing that kept him comfortable. The, not just pick up your mat. The mat had been put amongst people that were sick. Remember I said that misery loves company. And more often than not, when you're going through something, you tend to gravitate to people that are going through the same. But imagine when the people that you're gravitating to cannot help you, but instead have their own issues and are more than happy to continue to enable the issues. Jesus said to him, no, get up. Get up for now, pick up your mask. Like, remove yourself from this enabling environment. Remove yourself from this thing that has that has now become the thing that is part of your identity. Like, when you think about it, when I was thinking about it and remembering some of the studies I've done in this scripture, it's like, what is enabling your current state? Is it conversations you're having with your friends? Then you need a change of friends. Is it... Is it the environment that you're in? Then you need a change of environment. Is it people that you are hanging out with? Is it circumstances? Are there habits that are enabling this thing that has refused to change? Then change it. 
Jesus was saying, remove the enabler. It's the same conversations that sometimes people have with parents that are enabling a child that is badly behaved. Let's say the child is constantly always doing something wrong, but that parent is always making excuses for them. They are enabling the bad behavior. The only reason that person is going to change is when you remove the enabling, at least to some extent, especially if they want to change. If you don't remove the enabling environment, if you don't remove the enablement, the person continues in their bad behavior. Jesus said, no, remove this mat. This thing that you're lying on, take it up. Don't lie here anymore. And then he said, walk. And walking is about action. So you have to, first of all, recognize where you are. Recognize the state that you're in. Understand what has brought you to this point. Nobody's ignoring what you've been through and what you've experienced. But let it not be the thing that now becomes a chain with a ball at the end of it that keeps you grounded. And then what is it that is around me in this season at this time? That is enabling this thing to continue. What behaviors do I have? What character flaws am I presenting myself that is con consistently allowing this thing to continue? And then the next thing is, okay, so what am I going to do about it? What are we going to do next? How are we going to change this thing? How are we going to change this story? Jesus said, get up pick up your mat, and then he said, walk. Walk is movement, meaning you have to do something. You have to do something. And sometimes it's not that you have to do something big. Sometimes it's just a little step, a little step in the direction of where you want to go, a little step in the direction of where you need to go. Jesus said to him, walk. And he said, as soon as he started, as soon as he did, as soon as those words came and he got his instructions, instantly the man got well. Meaning that as soon as it became clear, look, I've been waiting for an angel, but actually the savior of the world, the healer is in front of me. And he has just spoken to me. As soon as the man caught that, instantly he was made well. Instantly strength and healing came to a body that had been disabled for 38 years. But first of all, he had to recognize his state, recognize what had kept him in that state, and then acknowledge what he needed to do, and then do it. He had to do it. When you address the real issue, when you address the thing, people will walk, people will move. If you address the thing that is really bugging you, I'm telling you, that your life will move. You know, one of the things I started doing with God more often, it wasn't like I didn't used to do it, but more often was I would start addressing the thing that's really doing me. I would address the thing that was really hurting, the place where it was really hurting, the disappointment. You know, we need to offload the things that we're carrying on our inside. This is an encouragement and a charge to acknowledge what it is on your inside that has become a burden has become a stronghold, has become almost like a rock that has not allowed you to move forward. Because I can almost bet, and I'm not a betting person, but I can almost believe that the work of the Spirit of God, when we start to acknowledge where we are and what it is that has kept us here, when he starts to do that inner work with us, we will literally, we, don't, we will literally begin to experience change. But we must do those first two things. We must recognize our state. 
we must recognize where we are. We must acknowledge where we are. We must acknowledge how it is hurting. And then we must acknowledge what has held us, what is enabling us, and be brutally honest about it. There's not, with God, nothing is hidden. So that, that honesty is not for him, it's for you. Recognize it and then begin to take steps. Small steps, little steps, eventually. And you know, the more you take steps, the more the effect compounds that eventually the thing that held you back, you can move on so far from it that when people say to you, oh, can't you remember that you used to have this thing? You'd be like, I don't know what you're talking about. I can barely even remember it. I should know. I've experienced it. But it's really important that we take from this scripture that when opportunity, and now if we even come to our lives as believers, you know, this is a man that was encountering the Jesus that was not yet glorified. The Jesus that couldn't even come and rest in his heart by the Holy Spirit. How much more us who now have the Holy Spirit, have all of the power of heaven, all of divinity available to us. How much more us? Should our results not even be better? When we think of the fact that not only are we having to wait for a man, but what that man carried and embodied on the earth, we now have that same ability created in the image and likeness of God. We have now been made and we have been now being recreated or created anew. It says in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 that anyone who is now in Christ is a new person. What have you allowed to almost come from your old nature and you've forgotten that you're a new person and that those things should no longer follow you here? What is it that you need to say, no, enough is enough? What is it that the Holy Spirit needs to bring to your remembrance and say to you, can you see? What is it? I want to encourage you as we come to the end of this Bible study. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to open the eyes of your understanding. That he should show you where it is that like this man, you have stayed stuck and have not moved forward. And what is it that has enabled you to stay in that place, to stay in that position? And that he should give you your instructions, your marching orders. So like Jesus said to the man, walk. He should tell you what walk looks like for you in that area. Father God, I thank you for every single person that has joined Bible study. I pray that as they have heard these words, that it will be a charge that activates something on their inside. So much so that as they begin to work it out, as they come back, listen and meditate on this scripture, that you begin to pull out the areas of their lives that need pulling out. You begin to point out the areas of their lives like that like this man, they have not thrived in for X number of years, X number of months, X number of days. That you make it so abundantly clear and then you give the instructions that move them forward. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.